TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. It's the Mark Reardon Show. Unfortunately, Mark Reardon's not here today, but Mike Elam is, so Mike Elam thinks that's a positive. Abby gets to run the board today, so I don't know if that's a positive for you when Mark's not here or not. I do. I love running the board, so it is a little bit of a positive. So there you go. It breaks up your week. It does things a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Hey, I hope your Thursday is going fantastic. You're almost at Christmas. Are you done? Do you have your Christmas shopping? Abby, you got everything done? I need to go get one more thing, and I'm doing it tomorrow morning. So So I got to get a couple of things for my wife, but not big, Mm -hmm. right? My wife does everything for Christmas, and I think that's like every mom everywhere. Pretty much. I see all Mm -hmm. these memes that are going around about, you know, Here's everything that mom has put together for Christmas. And it's like, dad has to get a gift card. Like, hey, did you get your gift card? I'll get that later on this week. It's like, you just need to do one thing. It's funny. My my wife asked me to pick up a gift card for someone in the family. And I'm not going to say anything about where it was or who it was because they may hear. So uh, they asked me to do that. And so I, I did it. And I came home uh, later on that evening. I said, hey, here's the gift card. And she goes, oh, you picked it up already? (laughs) And I was like, oh, so your impression is I wasn't going to follow through on that. And you were going to have to remind me a couple of times. Mm -hmm. It was that joke of, you know, hey, if you've asked me to get something done, I'll get it done. There's no reason for you to nag me every six months about it. Right. Oh, (laughs) six months. Thanks for playing. Dad dad jokes (laughs) are us. Uh, We'll be here. Hey, so Mike Elam sitting in for Mark Reardon today. Sue is uh, out. She under the weather. So if you were listening to Mark Cox this morning, she wasn't there. She's not any better now. So she's not with us either. But hopefully uh, she will be back tomorrow. Mark is going to be off uh, tomorrow as well. And obviously he's off on Christmas. So he's got an extended break. Uh, Ryan Recker is going to be in tomorrow. It's been a while. It has. Since I've heard Ryan fill in. I like Ryan Recker. I think he was in on the Annie Fry show a little bit ago. Okay. Around Thanksgiving. I didn't get it. I didn't get a chance to hear him uh, yeah. then. So I don't know. On Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving, I did Mark Cox's show. Right. So we just keep moving around. <laughs> I'm going to be on KMOX like three times next month or something like nice. that. So I know. They just keep moving me around. They get warm body. Uh, deep voice, warm body. You'll, you'll fill in. It'll be great. We have got a ton of stuff going on today. Uh, Wendy Hausman's going to join us. She is a Missouri State Rep from District 65. She serves on the uh, the Budget Committee, the Infrastructure Committee. So we're going to talk to her a little bit about what's going to go on in the upcoming session that they're getting ready to kick off in just a couple of weeks in Jeff City. This is going to be, in my opinion, 
the biggest cluster of a session that we have seen in a very long time. And I use cluster as an abbreviation. So it uh, you've got so many people that are running for another office. And in many cases, they are running against someone that they are currently serving with. So just imagine, you know, all these guys, and, and I'm one of those people as well. So you, when you're an elected official, you want something that you can hang your hat on. I got this done, right? Because when you go back for re-election, one of the first things people ask is, well, what have you done for me? Have you been an effective legislator? Have you done anything that's improved my community, my state, what have you, right? Wherever, whatever level that you're at. It's really hard to do that. When you're serving with people that you're running against because they don't really want to give you a win because if they give you a win, it makes you look better. And you're not going to give them the win because it makes them look better. So I, I get the idea that there's going to be a lot of problems that are going to happen in this upcoming session. In the Senate, which for the last three years or so has really been a problem with getting things passed at the end of the day. You get a lot of things through the House, and the House for the past couple of years, I would argue, has been pretty efficient in getting things moved through. But then it gets over to the Senate, and it just kind of languishes because we've been fighting with each other over in the Senate. And it's not really the Democrats. It's it's the Republicans that are fighting against each other. So it's going to be interesting to see, can they work together? Because... There's only 34 of them in the Senate anyway, and 24 of them are Republicans. So a lot of times the 10 Democrats that are there really just don't factor into the decision at all because it's like, yeah, we're we're happy you're here keeping a seat warm. But beyond that, uh, if I need a vote from you, maybe you'll help out. But for the most part, it's just Republicans deciding on what's going on. But for the past few years, it's been Republicans shooting each other and is keeping us from getting stuff done. So. You've got a number of Republicans in the Senate that are running against each other for statewide office. And that's going to get interesting to see how that plays out. So maybe we'll touch on some of that with Wendy. Uh, Connor Hart is a guy who writes for the St. Louis Business Journal. And I don't know if if you get a chance to read the Business Journal very much, but I get an email every day of the top headlines that are going on in the Business Journal. You can sign up for that. It's free. Uh, not that I work for the Business Journal, but... I think the Business Journal does a really great job of covering a lot of stories that you just don't hear other places. Obviously, it's a business journal. They're kind of a niche publication. They do their own thing, but they do a really great job in their space. And I love getting those emails and, and checking out the big stories. So Connor Hart wrote a story where he took a look at the pot forecast for 2024. Obviously, This was the first year that we've had legalized marijuana in the state of Missouri. And it's a lot when you're going to take a brand new industry and you're really going to start it from the ground up. I mean, obviously, we had dispensaries out for medical marijuana, but medical is one thing. And when you go to recreational, that's a completely different business model that you have to spin up. And there's a lot of things that go into that that, to be honest with you, I didn't really think about. And I didn't think about the different tax structure that they have compared to a regular business. I just assume retail business, retail business. No, they have a completely different tax structure. And because of the way that Missouri structured uh, recreational marijuana, where it's basically from seed to sale, all has to be tracked within the state of Missouri. Well, 
when you have some folks that are your main seed people, in other words, in other words, they're the ones who grew all the weed, uh, when they're having problems and you're creating supply issues at that level, it creates a problem at the other end, just like it does in every other industry. So supply versus demand, right? Makes perfect sense. So we're going to talk a little bit to Connor Hart about that because there's a big outlook for next year. And you kind of see where is that going to go? There's some changes that are coming up in the industry. So we'll give him a chance to talk to you about that. Since Sue's not here uh, today, we've got Fred's news, which is always fun. Fred Bottomer, I, I contend, is one of the smartest people I've ever met. And Fred has wisdom that really spans a very broad swath of, of knowledge. So it's always interesting when Fred comes in because he pulls out things that you wouldn't normally expect. Uh, so that's always fun when he's going to be here. We're going to talk to Steve Elman a little bit later on. There was a story on the Post-Dispatch today, and I know uh, three of you probably read it. So um, there was a story, though, talking about uh, the St. Charles City County Library District has decided to pull some books that people have been asking that they need to be pulled from the shelves because they find them to be pornographic books. And that has been a very big deal out in St. Charles County and talking about this. So uh, it got announced that they are going to remove some of these books. The big one that everybody was pointing to was called Bang Like a Porn Star. And that was the big book that everybody kind of pointed to. But there's other material that other people have brought up along the way. And it looks like uh, the library has agreed. They had a, a board meeting yesterday or Tuesday, I guess it was, and they have agreed that they're going to uh, pull some of that from the shelves. So we'll talk to Steve Elman a little bit about that. And Steve's always really good to check in on just the political overall state of what's going on. Um, he's a guy who was a he was a state rep, state senator, associate circuit judge, uh, circuit judge, attorney. Um, he's director of administration for St. Charles County, and he's been the county executive now. For 17 years. So we've kind of seen it all the way through for the last 30 plus years. So it's interesting to get his take. Rick Hill is a St. Louis guy. He's a Kirkwood native, but he is the vice president of marketing and communications for the Alamo Bowl uh, in San Antonio. So we're going to talk to him a little bit about what's it like putting a bowl together. Obviously, Mizzou is going to the Cotton Bowl this year, and they're going to play the second team of Ohio State because it seems like I think I heard 20 kids from Ohio State are opting out of this bowl game, which I I don't get it. I mean, come on. You've, you've played pretty much your whole career through, and you've got a chance to play in this bowl game in the Cotton Bowl, big game. But they're like, nah. but I guess the other side of the coin is you get hurt in that game, then you're getting ready to go pro, so uh, there goes your pro career. It's going to be done. But then you have a bunch of them that have already entered the transfer portal, which I don't get either. Your team just went 11-1 and one on the season. 11-1, and one, and you're going to leave and go somewhere else. Why? Like, it seems like your team is pretty darn good. The only game you lost was to Michigan. But then again, at Ohio State, you could lose 11 games, and the only game you win is to Michigan, and everybody thinks it was a great season. So I... I I understand. It's kind of like Mizzou could lose every basketball game that they have this year, but as long as they beat Kansas, everybody's happy. That's that's just kind of how it works. Um, by the time we get to the 5 o'clock hour, and hopefully you're hanging out with us there, we're going to talk with uh, Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft 
a little bit about what's going on with the ballot issue in Colorado with Donald Trump being kept off the ballot, which brings up a lot of questions about what is going on in the ballot space these days. There's a a few ballot issues that um, people are talking about, especially the abortion issue in the state of Missouri. That ballot issue uh, has been kicked around quite a bit. And the secretary of state has had a couple of submissions that he has put out uh, about the abortion bill and uh, for the ballot issue there. And that has been knocked down twice now by the court. So it's going to be interesting to get um, his look at, I think there's 16 states now who have said they are going to try and keep Donald Trump off of the ballot. That's going to be interesting to see if they can work that out. But I think it's going to go to the Supreme Court. Seems like everybody else has the same take on this. They're they're like, this was an overreach uh, by four liberal Supreme Court justices in Colorado. It's not going to stand. They're going to get rid of that. Supreme Court's going to overturn it pretty quick. But who knows? We will see. Dan Meehan is joining us in the 5 o'clock hour as well. He is the president and CEO of the Missouri Chamber of Commerce. Um, anybody who has had kids and has tried to face the battle of child care will appreciate what the Missouri Chamber of Commerce is, is trying to do. And uh, the governor's office, I believe, is on board with this. But they're talking about what is the economic cost to the state of Missouri for child care? And uh, I saw Caleb Browner, the president of the Missouri Senate, said that he and his wife are paying $2,000 a month for their kids to be in uh, child care. Two grand a month. And that's just a flat out fee. So you figure you're going to have to make over $30,000 a year just to break even from sending your kid to child care. So there is a big cost of that in terms of productivity, because we've looked around and said, hey, where did a bunch of people go who were in the work phase prior to, to COVID? We've lost them, and we don't know where they are. Why aren't they back in the workforce? And a lot of people have talked about the government is subsidizing this, but it turns out there is an awful lot, especially of, not to be sexist, but a lot of ladies who have left the workforce. In some cases, to be fair, there are guys who are stay-at-home dads as well. But they have left the workforce because they cannot afford to work and put their kid in child care. In many cases, they are working for child care, and that is all they are getting. So they're finding that it's actually financially for the family better for them to stay home and take care of the kid at home as opposed to put the kid in child care. It, it definitely makes their life easier in terms of they don't have to worry if the babysitter is sick or the child care is sick or what else is going on? It's it's just you and your kid. So um, it, it's an interesting thing to look at. They've got a lot of stats to show at what it is costing the state of Missouri, and it is millions of dollars that it is costing the state. So that is a lot. Lord, Abby, we got a whole lot to get through today. Um, my game is Mike Elam. I am sitting in for Mark Weirden today. It's going to be a fun-filled ride, so strap in, and we will talk to Wendy Hausman on the other side. It's St. Louis's home for Conservative Talk, 97.1 FM Talk. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. You know, I got to tell you, this year, I am less bothered by Christmas music than I normally am. I'm just not a, a Christmas music kind of guy. I love Christmas music. I just, I don't know. I I'm, wish I could say it's my favorite genre without being shamed. <laughs> you can. No, outside of the Christmas season, people would be like, what? No. Yeah. Well, that's not allowed. You can't listen to it outside of the Christmas season. But I want to. But I want to. I do. <laughs> I do like some of the music outside of this traditional Christmas music, right? And no offense to my friends at KZK and the Christmas station. If you're into that, God love you. Just go with God. You're you're going to enjoy, right? So it's all there. Hey, I want to introduce you to Wendy Hausman if you don't know her. She is a state representative, Missouri State Rep from District 65. Representative, how are you, ma'am? I am doing good. How are you, Mike? I'm good. I must not be living right because I haven't crossed paths with you in a while. Man, and I have been busy, Mike. Really, really busy. <laughs> I, I have seen on social media, you seem to be just burning the, the wheels off the vehicle because uh, you I seem to be a little bit everywhere. I feel like you're running for statewide office. No, I'm just doing my job. <laughs> <laughs> just doing my job. But you're getting a little bit of everywhere. Are you getting excited about getting back to, to the Capitol or do you, you want to focus on Christmas first? Um, I'm, I'm excited about going back to Capitol. I mean, this is something I've wanted to do for a very long time. So I'm enjoying every minute of it. And I'm looking forward to the next session and see what kind of things are going to happen because it sounds to me like it's going to be different this year because of all the elections and you know everybody running for new offices. So it'll be interesting. We were just talking about that when we were just kind of kicking the show off of um, I saw somebody else talking about that as well when they said, what are your expectations for session this year? And the person who was talking said, I, you know, I don't have a lot of faith. I, I don't know that we're going to get a lot done, mainly because of, of what you've just talked about. I mean, it, it's going to be unique to watch everybody interact this year and kind of jockey for a position on issues. And uh, it's going to take a lot more. Um, it's a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down type thought, right? So yeah. uh, you're going to have to find new ways to get things done in Jefferson City, I think, this next year. But this year, you guys did a lot. I mean, uh, just looking from a budget perspective, you guys got a lot done this past year, especially in the House. I mean, I, I felt like the House did a lot, and then everything kind of fizzled in the Senate. Although, you know, I mean, like, um, talking about Highway 70, you know, like we accomplished something there. I mean, we needed to work on our infrastructure, you know, and I think that we were able to get that done. The House, you know, gave him, gave Governor Parson, um, what was it, $859 million, and then the Senate said, yeah, let's give him more, $2.8 billion. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was crazy. I mean, this is the first time, you know, first year I've done this. And just to see that amount of money, you know, being spent was crazy. 
And then, you know, we all got vetoed and that was kind of, you know, wasn't expecting to see that. So all of the legislators across the state um, had all of our projects vetoed. Um, so that was like $555 million was vetoed because our budget's kind of high this year. So um, that, that's going to be the next issue, I think, going into the next session is trying to bring down our budget because, I mean, we spent $52 billion in Missouri which is up like 32% than the previous year. So I know that we're going to have to start cutting because we spend a lot. Is this the last year that we're going to have all of those federal funds coming in? From from my understanding, we had a lot of ARPA funds money, and so we had to spend that because it's it's limited. You have a certain amount of time that, you know, you have to spend that, which was good. I think that, you know, that was a good thing. So things would get done, and I think they did. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what's on the horizon for this next session. Yeah. I mean, I heard the speaker talking about it at Dave Hinman's uh, event that that he had the other night that I got the chance to attend. And the speaker was talking about, you know, the challenges that we have coming up this next year and how this is really going to be the last year that you're going to have this this big, huge budget because everybody talks about, you know, Missouri spending $52 billion when we used to spend 27, right? It's like, yeah. where did all that money come from? Well, it, it came yeah. from the federal government and that spigot's getting ready to get turned off. So it's, exactly. But I, I appreciate the fact if you're going to have one-time money, you're going to spend it on things that aren't long-term and recurring, right? So you're not putting it into right. salaries that, you, that are going to be there from this point forward. But having right. the opportunity to fix I-70 and do some repairs that definitely needed to be done, the the expansion is, is definitely there. But on the infrastructure side, you know, speaking of building out those highways, uh, I think that's really going to make a difference of what Missouri is going to be able to do from an economic development perspective, because you can't really do a lot from an economic development perspective if you don't have the infrastructure in place to be able to support it, can you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you have to let those trucks, you know, be able to drive on those roads and they have to be, you know, accessible to, you know, even the farm trucks, you know, I mean, they have to be so we can get our food and, and you know, and different supplies. So, I mean, I think it's, it's, it was really a good thing that what we did. And I was really happy that, you know, that we were able to do that this year. So I know you're a big uh, children and families advocate. Uh, you're the vice chairman of that committee. What's the big thing that I, I know you got a big bill passed this past year. Um, mm-hmm. What are you? Well, go- it passed in the House. It didn't get through the Senate. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I thought I thought it did get through. So obviously, uh, you're going to be coming back trying to take a second yeah. bite of that apple. Yes, it's the Uniform Child Abduction Prevention. Um, it's for divorce cases where um, a parent uh, might feel like their significant other may take off with their child. Um, right now, there, you know, if you think you know, there's warning signs that my spouse might take my child. You know, during a divorce proceeding, there's nothing they can do legally. But my bill would actually, you know, let whenever you have some of those, um, you know, indications that there might be some, you know, that your spouse might be leaving, that we can do something. And the judge has more actions um, and more opportunity to take actions, whereas right now there's nothing. So um, you got that passed in the House. You're hoping that the Senate, you, I guess you have to pass it again and then it has yes. to go to the Senate again. Yes. Do you think there's going to be a lot of that that's going to happen in the House this year? Where a oh, lot definitely. of things that you already passed this past year, but it died in the Senate, are do you think a lot of people are going to come back and try to get that done again? Oh, definitely. I think there was. I was looking um, on the House site, and I think there's over close to 700 bills already. Um, you know, wow. that's been pre-filed. 
so um, I'm sure many of those are bills that failed last year. So. Well, and we're not even done with December, so I'm. No, no. I'm sure there are more to come, and not not meaning to put you on the spot, but do you remember how many bills did get passed last year? I don't, because there was it's those omnibus bills. Because I was thinking, uh, I, I want to say there was like forty seven or something like that. I could be wrong, but I know it was a small amount. We hadn't they hadn't passed that you know small amount in several several years. But um, whenever you look at the omnibus bills, we passed a lot. Well, I, so the actual number of bills is not really contrary to the amount of things we passed. Right, because there were a lot that were put all together and bundled, if yeah. you would. Uh, yeah. It's like insurance, right? You bundle, and that's how you that's how you make it that's, better. That's exactly. I don't, I don't like them at all. I hate them because many times you don't know exactly what is in every, you know, every single bill. And you think you do, and you're like, okay, this is a great bill. It's got all these different things. And then you find out it had something in it that you didn't, weren't aware of. And, you know, it happens. And we're not, we're human, we're not perfect. And so, you know, there was a couple of those that I saw. I was like, oh, I hated that. Well, <laughs> so, I, I know we had an awful lot of things that the House passed, even the Senate did pass, but the governor decided, especially in St. Charles County, uh, that he's really not a fan of St. Charles County, I guess, because he decided to take an ax to a lot of stuff that was in the budget for for our county. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say that he doesn't like St. Charles County because everybody got cut across the board. Um, Every single, um, and like I said, there was like $555 million that was cut, and that was you know, what every legislator wanted. And so he cut him all because, you know, he's like, we have to cut our budget because we spend so much on this highway, I'm sure. Right. But, um, you know, I think, there, but there were quite a bit. We were supposed to get like $47 million for St. Charles County. And, you know, that got cut. And so I, I mean, being a freshman, I thought, wow, that's a lot of money for the first time, you know, of me seeing that. And I hadn't seen St. Charles County get money for, you know, quite some time. And then when it got cut, I was really disappointed because I was sat in a lot of meetings trying to get that money, you know, for us. So um, it was a disappointment, but, you know, I'll go back. <laughs> we'll try again. <laughs> well, it, I'm I'm hoping that we're going to be able to get more stuff done and, and get that through. But as you're looking into next year's session, and I know you folks have already had your caucus meetings, what are going to be the big things that the party's going to try and push to get through next year? Um, I think IP reform or initiative petition is going to be a big one. Um, I, I've already seen a few, you know, legislators that are, you know, have ideas to um, get things on um, the ballot for this next year um, so that we can, you know, have some language that kind of strengthens, I think. So, so you can't have people coming in from, you know, other states or even other countries trying to pass things in our constitution. You know, it should be the people. And so by, putting things on the ballot that makes it, you know, you have to have more congressional districts um, um, majority, I think would help it, would strengthen that a little bit. But we also don't want to take away from the grassroots organizations. We want to make sure that if a grassroots organization comes up, that they can still, you know, have a voice and they're represented. So So I think that's going to be big. But I also think school choice um, is going to be a big one. We almost got that, you know, passed last year, and then it kind of died again in the Senate. So um, open enrollment was big. So I I think that's going to be a big issue. I think those are going to be the two top issues. I would assume that education in the Senate is going to become a big thing, especially especially with uh, Senator Carla Esslinger, who's going to be the new DESE head. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure she's going to take a special interest in education over in the Senate. So it would be uh, interesting to see where it goes there. I heard the speaker talking about um, stopping China from owning land in Missouri. And that seems to be something yeah. that, that's going to be a big push as we move forward in this next year. 
Yeah, I, I believe so. I think it is a threat. I mean, people don't realize how much of a threat that is to our, um, you know, domestic areas. And, um, you know, having these foreign entities that are not, you know, American friendly are not good to have as neighbors. And so we don't, when they have control of our land or farmland or, you know, any type of land or, or um, things that they own, they get, that gives them control. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of scary. So we, we need to remove that option. For them. I, I think it's interesting that um, there are a lot of things like that that go on behind the scenes. They don't get headlines and people don't think about it. So when it, something comes up that says China doesn't need to own farmland in Missouri or doesn't need to own land anywhere in Missouri. And people are thinking, is that really an issue? Like, is, is that a big thing that's going on? And then you start digging and you start finding out, yeah, actually it is. Mm-hmm. And, and you start learning that why is a Chinese company buying land next to Boeing or trying to buy land next to a Boeing right. plant or buying a bunch of farmland in, in Missouri? Why, why is that happening? Like, where is exactly. that coming from? So there's, there's more behind the story you have to think. Because uh, like you said, it, it's not a country that's favorable to us. They're not a friendly. So you wouldn't expect that that's going to work out to uh, there's got to be more to the story than they just want to raise corn. Right. <laughs> there's there's exactly. something else more that's going corn, on. You know, back to China, you know, it's like, well, you know, they are one of our enemies and they, you know, don't always play nice. So we have to keep that in mind. And, um, you know, just hearing from other agencies in the state, we have to be very vigilant on that and, and, you know, do something about it before it's too late. Talking with Wendy Hausman, Missouri State Representative from District 65 out in St. Charles. What are your plans for Christmas? You getting the family all together? My family will all be at my house, and um, we're going to have a, I say a quiet little Christmas, but I have a large family, so, you know, everybody's just getting together and eat all day and, you know, just play games, and, you know, that's what, hang out and celebrate Jesus' birthday. Well, I appreciate you taking some time and uh, talking with us today. I hope you have a very Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and best of luck in what is going to be a very interesting session in 2024. Well, thank you, and you have a Merry Christmas too, Mike. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Representative. I appreciate it. Representative Wendy Hausman, always good to catch up with her. She is an up-and-coming star in the Republican Party in the House, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how things go there. So we're going to talk with Connor Hart. He's a reporter for the St. Louis Business Journal, and we're going to talk about a story that he wrote called The Pot Forecast for 2024. That's coming up on the other side on 97.1 FM Talk, St. Louis's conservative voice. Tony Bennett that we're playing today, huh? The late Tony Bennett. What a great guy. Hey, it's Mike Elam sitting in for Mark Reardon today. Mark is out until next week. Is he in next week or is he out next week? He'll be back on Tuesday. He'll be back on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Oh, great. So I'm doing Addie's show on Tuesday. I'll get to see him on Tuesday. Yeah. So thanks for hanging out today. I hope your Christmas plans are going to be great ones. Hope the holidays are going to be good to you and you're getting all your Christmas shopping done and things like that. Not sure if you're going to be stopping by a uh, dispensary for the holidays, but uh, we'll talk a little bit about that in just a little bit. I don't know where you get your news. Obviously, you listen to 97.1. You're an informed person, more than the average person for sure, because you're listening to talk radio. And I like to read the Business Journal. I, I just find that they cover stories that a lot of other people just don't touch. And you get to find out some different things that you don't normally find out. So I was uh, reading a story this past week that uh, Connor Hart wrote for the Business Journal. And it's talking about the pot forecast. And I thought it was really interesting. And I wanted to find out a little bit more 
about that. So I invited Connor to come join us today. So, Connor Hart, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you. How, uh, thank you for having me. How are you? I'm very good, man. I appreciate you taking the time and, and joining us today. Um, how long have you been writing for the Business Journal, by the way? Uh, well, first off, just want to actually say thank you for uh, for reading the story for keeping keeping my job uh, necessary here. Um, yeah, no, I, I've been uh, been working at the Business Journal for uh, just over a year now. I started last September. Fantastic. Well, I like I said, um, I like the Business Journal. I like to read it. I think you've got a lot of great articles, and you guys cover stories that other people don't. And you wrote a story called "The Pot Forecast" and kind of looking at the second year of legal marijuana in the state of Missouri. What put this on your radar? What made you say, hey, that's a story that we should go cover? Yeah, no. So uh, when I moved out to uh, Missouri last year, it was right ahead of the election in November uh, when the state was going to be voting on adult use marijuana. Um, And so kind of just started my my editor kind of put me on the beat to uh, familiarize myself with the cannabis scene. Um, I've done a couple of stories over the last year, just kind of looking at the industry as it as it's burgeoned as this new market has opened up um and so yeah just kind of at the at the year end was kind of looking forward to uh what, what might we see next year um yeah that that, that was that was kind of the, the inspiration behind it it's been a been a wild ride trying to trying to cover the cannabis industry <laughs> did you know a lot about the industry before you did it or was this a new industry for you to cover uh, brand new. Yeah. Had, had no experience covering the industry, had never lived in a state where, where there was an industry to cover. Um, and so, yeah, I've just been, have just been trying to, trying to figure out as much as I can over the last year or so. <laughs> <laughs> baptism by fire is kind of how that works out sometimes. That's, that's how I did oh, talk radio. Sure. <laughs> it's just baptism by fire. We work out that way. Well, it seems like the first year of adult use, is that, is that how we're phrasing this recreational marijuana adult use? Uh, marijuana, is that what they're calling it? Yep, adult use or recreational marijuana. Okay, so $830 million seems to be through October, uh, if if I remember correctly, is what Missouri's done so far. And that seems to be a bonus crop, uh, literally, that, that we've done this year. Did, do you know, did they expect to hit those kind of numbers, or is that exceeding where they thought they were going to be? Um, I think that Missouri was poised to have a have a successful market. Having uh, a medical program before they went recreational definitely like did some of the legwork in terms of of opening uh, consumers' eyes to to cannabis. Um, but no, I think that there was definitely some higher than expected demand. Um, but, uh, Missouri has definitely benefited from uh, a lot of the states surrounding us don't have uh, cannabis programs uh, at all, medical or recreational, and so uh, we've seen a lot of like. Tourism coming, uh, Canada tourism, so, so to say, uh, coming in from Kansas where there's no market. Um, and then on our side of the state here in St. Louis, um, Illinois has much higher taxes. And so we've benefited from from having some people from Illinois come across the river to get their cannabis here. Um, yeah, I think we've definitely I think that we were expecting a, a solid showing, but I think that we surpassed some expectations for sure. <laughs> so when you look at I mean, we've had a, a really great year. I think your story said we did better than Connecticut, Maryland and New York because uh, this is their first year to do it as well. So bypassing New York in pot sales, I would say, is pretty amazing because I was just in New York for the first time in my life in October, and I think that weed is the official fragrance of New York City because everywhere I went, <laughs> it just it smelled like everybody was firing one up on the corner. That was just the, the smell everywhere we were. Uh, I haven't 
it, it doesn't seem to be that prevalent in the state of Missouri yet. But for our sales to go that well means we we must have been doing something right, at least from the marketing standpoint of getting the sales out there. But we look forward to 2024. Where do you see the future of this going? What are they expecting for next year? Um, I think I've, I've talked to a lot of people within the industry, and it seems like the the main thing going forward into this new year is just kind of like stabilization. Um, I think in the early days of the new market, uh, there was, yeah, like we had said, uh, a lot of higher than expected demand, um, some supply shortages, which kind of complicated the pricing um, and whatnot. Um, and so I think looking ahead into this next year, people are just kind of expecting a, a more stable market. Um, a lot of the, the companies here in, in Missouri uh, that grow weed um, have, have built out their, their facilities um, so that they're capable of, of growing more. Um, there's going to be more, more plant on the market. Um, more availability, probably some lower prices as a result of that. Um, and yeah, just, uh, just I, I feel like we've gotten over some of the some of the the, the roughness that comes when a, when a new market launches. And so hopefully just just some more stable uh, stable seas up ahead. <laughs> I didn't realize until your story the difference in tax laws for uh, cannabis distributorships compared to just mm-hmm. regular retail distributorships. It's it's very different, isn't it? The, ca- the tax structure is different. Yes, tax structure is different. Um, there's a, 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 a part of the International Revenue Code. Uh, it's called Section 280E. It prohibits businesses from deducting otherwise established business expenses, um, things like uh, payroll, rent, utilities, from gross income that's associated with the, uh, the so-called trafficking of scheduled one, schedule one or two substances. Um, so cannabis under, under federal law is actually classified as a schedule one substance. These are drugs with a high risk of abuse. Um, other examples are, are heroin, LSD. Um, and so be, because of that, uh, cannabis companies pay their federal income tax just on their gross income, whereas uh, a, a non-cannabis business would uh, subtract their business expenses from their, their gross income to calculate taxable income and then pay taxes on that. Um, and so, yeah, no, basically cannabis companies end up paying an effective tax rate of somewhere in the, the 70% range, uh, whereas other businesses are, are at 21%. So it's a, it's a much, much different tax structure for sure. <laughs> so the the prevailing wage that, or the prevailing knowledge that people would say, they think that when you have a, a dispensary, you're just printing money. If you're paying a 70% tax rate, you're not just printing money. But it, it sounds like they're looking at changing cannabis from a Schedule 1 to a Schedule 3? Yes. Um, there's been some talks. Um, I think it was first reported back over the summer. Um, some of the U.S. health officials had called for cannabis to reclassify as a Schedule 3 drug. Um, the Schedule 3 drugs, I believe, ketamine is an example Um they're, they're less dangerous, seem to be less dangerous, can be obtained legally with a prescription. Um, so yeah, they, there's been talk of rescheduling it to Schedule 3. And then uh, this fall, additionally, uh, President Joe Biden uh, released a statement called on the U.S. Attorney General and the Secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services um, to begin the process of, of reviewing cannabis scheduling under uh, federal law. Um, the rescheduling is not the same thing uh, of, like, legalizing um, but they would definitely, uh, if, if it could happen, um, would really alleviate a lot of that tax burden that's placed on uh, these cannabis companies, for do sure. You, do you know what the difference in tax rate would be? Um, actually, not off the top of my head. I don't want to speak on anything and, and, and be wrong. <laughs> no, it's okay, but 70%, I mean, if you're running a business and you're paying 70% tax rate, 
uh, it, it, it's going to be hard to make a profit it's when you can't write that much stuff off that most everybody would write off. That that's going to be a challenge. Well, Connor, I I wanted to say thank you very much for looking into that because uh, I always like learning something new that I didn't know before. And uh, this is something, to be quite honest with you, I just don't know that much about the pot industry. I haven't looked that much at it, and I don't know how it works. So I appreciated the story that you wrote and the education. Appreciate all the, the stuff that you guys do at the Business Journal uh, and um, just covering different stories. So appreciate that. And thanks for taking the time to join us on the radio today. I hope you have a great holiday. Oh, no. Th- I appreciate you taking the time to read the Business Journal, and thank you so much for having me. I hope you have a great holiday as well. That is Connor Hart. He writes for the St. Louis Business Journal. So good place to check out. Uh, You know, Sue is not here, so we're not going to have Sue's news at the top of the hour on the other side. But we are going to have Fred in. So we're going to have Fred's news, which is always fun. That's coming up on the other side on St. Louis's Home for Conservative Talk. I'm Mike Elam in for Mark Reardon today at 97.1 FM Talk. Get more at 971talk.com. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.